Yes, that's right. Tough as nails. A recap, episode six of season two. I am uh, Rob Sesternino. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have a lot to talk about here tonight. As uh, we are uh, gonna slap some paint on the walls and then uh, clean some windows here, as we are talking about uh, the latest round of Tough as Nails. Uh, back with us on our Savage Crew. Uh, up in the scissor lift. It is Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? Doing great, Rob. I want to get into this podcast and summarize it quickly. We're going to eliminate all of our redundant dialogue. Okay, perfect. Yes. And uh, slap some paint on all of our mistakes. And of course, mm-hmm. a man who uh, that I'm not sure if uh, any of his artwork is looking a little tatty, except for uh, what's on his bicep. Uh, it is Mike Bloom. <laughs> I'm feeling a little shook when Jess says eliminate redundant dialogue because that's like taking out 80% of the things I say on a podcast. But happy to be here to talk about 50 shades of nail gray paint. Oh, I hadn't yeah. thought about that, Mike. Basically, eliminating the redundant dialogue is basically just muting your mic. Exactly. Um, quite literally. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it was another wild night of tough as nails. And, you know, we said in the previews last week, oh, wait, uh, there's a. Uh, EMT coming and a fire engine. Is there a disaster on the way? We said, eh, it's probably nothing. Uh, <laughs> we were not expecting freight train to require medical attention. Tough as nails. Co wrong is real. Yeah. People. It is happening. We have our second. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we can call it a medevac. It's a big cliffhanger, maybe mm-hmm. not as big as Terra's as to whether or not Freight Chain will be medically clear to continue in the game. But it at least was enough to take him out of the individual competition proper. Yeah. All right. So that is going to be a question that we will uh, opine about here today. Uh, what will happen with uh, Freight Train? Is he off the show? Is he going to be back next time? Uh, we'll talk about that and much more here as we get into uh, Tough as Nails uh, for episode number six. At the top of the show here, I do want to address something that came out of uh, last week's episode. Uh, We did our breakdown of episode five last week and went through everything that took place in uh, last week's episode. But uh, that, you know, sometimes we are not always uh, completely on point and uh, we do make some mistakes. And so we did hear about it's a a time that uh, we could have done better last week on the show uh we uh had heard from one of the contestants uh scott from this season who uh posted a video about how uh that he felt like that we were uh singled him out unfairly uh during last week's episode of the podcast uh we were focused on where uh, the Savage crew ended up um, having some issues in uh, the team portion, and we did single out Scott as being uh, the cause of those issues, and uh, that uh, we may have gone too far uh, in that. And apparently, based based on his response, it seems like uh, we did. And uh, the last thing that we want to try to do is hurt anybody's feelings who uh, are participating in these shows for our amusement you know uh we come on here we try to have fun uh with the listeners talking about a show sometimes you know uh we lose sight of the line uh, and forgetting that there are actual people on the other end of the show so uh that, that's never our intention uh when we come on here uh looking to just uh talk about uh silly reality tv shows 
Yeah. So suffice it to say, uh, we've also issued a private apology to Scott as well. We reached out to him uh, apologizing about the, the remarks that, that gone, went a bit too far in singling him out last week. Like you said, for the effort of making for really fun, entertaining podcasts, there are some times that we sort of veer from mm-hmm. just plain snark into personal comments. Obviously, no, that is that is never our intention as three people who find themselves in the in the spotlight as well in varying degrees we know firsthand how bad comments can ruin your day and it's never our intention to be the source behind those bad comments so again we we do apologize to scott and the listeners who you know took offense to that there was also a bit of a mention about uh, a comment that that he had made about us uh possibly mocking the the art that is displayed in his house yeah. in his TikToks, yeah. which uh you know it, it unfortunately was a bit of a misunderstanding from a joke that originated in our amazing yeah. Race podcast. so if i could uh, just clear clear that up that uh scott had made a video and he had mentioned about how uh the podcasters were uh making fun of his uh paintings at his house which i'm sure are incredible uh we have mm-hmm. n- you know no uh idea what kind of uh paintings scott has uh at his house uh we were characterizing the relationship that scott and merrill had uh sort of like busting each other's chops as being uh, akin to the relationship that we saw between gary and d'angelo on the amazing race and uh we were referencing a conversation that was from uh the other phil kogan hosted show on cbs uh the Amazing Race, uh, and when we were talking about uh, uh, Gary's paintings, we're referencing uh, this clip. And I can't wait to do this challenge because I love art. So, like, I study detail art. I've been to the Louvre. I've been to multiple different places in the world with art. I just, I have a bunch of art in my house. I just love that type of stuff. You don't really strike me as a Renaissance man. I, I, lo- I love artwork, though. I love artwork. I just, I just I've known you forever, Gary, and I've never known who are you. You're like six six, like a caveman, but you like art. I do. Yeah. So again, apologies uh, for the the misunderstanding on that part. Uh, but yeah, that. Um, we're just uh we were uh you know loving gary and d'angelo in the amazing race and uh look for any opportunity to talk more gary and d'angelo yeah i mean yeah. listen and then painting gets brought into this yeah episode painting as well. this so, week so it, it all yeah, connects it's a, it's a nice segue yeah but i feel like i feel like i would be remiss if i didn't say anything either because i think some of the co- comments that seem to have hit scott the hardest came from me and it wasn't fair and i recognize my error and I certainly I mean, these two guys know this very well, that there have been times where somebody has said something about something we've said on a podcast and off the off the podcast, we've just sort of kind of come unglued about it. So it's I understand the impulse to want to just yell back at the people. It that's not what I am. That's not who I really am. That's not what I'm like. If you knew me better, you would know that. I've I've been there. I know what it's like mm-hmm. and it's not fun and I feel terrible that I would have contributed to that at all. Okay. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good reminder about how Tough as Nails I think really prides itself on the fact that these are really, you know, normal everyday people that are putting themselves out there in so many ways showcasing their vulnerabilities in extremely tough competition uh for, you know, not only a, a cash prize but also for bringing more awareness maybe to these trades that are so essential to our everyday it's it's a nice reminder to both us and hopefully people listening out there as well to to quote you know scott's phrase of choice to be better uh and to remember exactly 
who these people are that are putting themselves out there, uh, specifically in a show that does pride itself positivity over negativity definitively okay uh so uh with that being said uh let's uh focus our attention on episode number six of uh tough as nails and this was a week where savage crew uh is looking to get back in the win column after a couple of wins from dirty hands just do you feel like that uh we're building up a dirty hands is overconfident storyline well, it's interesting how this parallels what we saw last season, Rob. And I almost to the point where I was thinking, like, do we have another orange tribe curse mm-hmm. on our hands like we have seen in Survivor? <laughs> um, but I, I think that you do run the risk of having momentum when you are winning a lot of things that, you know, the hubris just comes at you and it gets the better of you. So. Yeah. And I think especially with this challenge, you saw them, they thought they were done, like they thought Mm -hmm. they had it. And it was almost like once they once they found out they weren't as on it as they thought they were, they just couldn't get back into the groove. Yeah. Um, They show up to the job site and uh, we see a Phil drive in uh, in the truck. Uh, Mike, look at that. I mean, he's been doing this a lot. Yeah. You know, we are we are uh, missing Phil Kogan again for this week. And let's add that to the list of questions. I've actually always wanted to ask him, but I always forget is, OK, what's the choice of you driving the truck? in? it's it's almost like the equivalent of Survivor Borneo when they had the chest of money mm-hmm. in the center of tribal council. Like, I'm assuming it serves as this constant reminder of this is what you're you're going for at the end of the day. But, yeah, I always love the effect that Phil probably had to drive however long of a distance onto the set as everyone sort of like, you know, applauds him as he comes in. And I think one of my favorite runners of Phil's hosting this show are the fictional people that he comes up with yeah. right between, uh, you know, the farmer from a couple of weeks ago this week was, Oh, we have a very wealthy, very particular man who loves the color gray. And so you must paint the wall of his parking garage. All yes, gray. he's not very rich. He's gray. very particular and he loves gray paint. The man who owns this building. Yeah. Tough and nails. Sugar daddy loves the gray and loves to make sure that everything is monochromatic. Yeah. Why do I have this? image in my head of dark helmet with the action figures <laughs> like this is phil like i'm gonna have my i'm gonna have my wall painted gray today don't worry the toughest nails team is on it <laughs> i'm very particular make and sure I'm you don't miss lucky. anything yeah <laughs> don't ask me how i made my money though look mike i don't i think you underestimate the power and influence of big parking mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's true listen uh they they've been listen in, in a society that is continuously changing parking is one thing that never does so i think it, it has something that has survived the test of time over the decades so <laughs> it was a great moment in the episode when uh you know phil is like uh t- warming up the teams and talking about okay uh you know savage crew uh do you feel like you could uh bounce back this week uh and this is swifty's response i can't take nothing away they tough they beat us so now it's our turn to beat that ass <laughs> whoa Whoa. I don't know what challenges Swifty was looking for when he saw those rollers, but it certainly wasn't that. Oh, dear. I don't even know where you're going with that, Mike. I can't picture what that even would be. Listen, I don't want to put myself in Swifty's brain at this moment. But uh, yeah, he certainly had like, I mean, he was he was pumping up the team. Right. So I guess that was yeah. the way to really do so was invoke that imagery. Yeah. Okay. That ass. I don't know. Maybe maybe that was effective. That uh, that was the rallying cry for Savage Crew. Beat that ass. 
There's multiple asses, though. They don't have one ass. <laughs> the yeah, figurative, like the dirty, uh, dirty hands ass. Yeah, I was going to say, don't hands. say dirty ass, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, that was one of the names they workshopped and rejected, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that's why they can't force them to change names. Because, like, don't move on to the other dirty body parts. Please just stay with hands. Mm-hmm. We're mandating it. Yeah. Um, and Phil said that the uh, artwork up on the wall was looking a little tatty. Is that is that right? Yeah, I, I a is that lot like, of is, interest. Is that Kiwi for tattered? I wonder. That's a real word. Tatty? Yeah, but one hundred percent a real word. It's it, it is from the Commonwealth. I've heard it. I've heard British people say it. I've heard Australians say it. I assume mm-hmm. it extends to New Zealand as well. Well, yeah, I wondered if it was sort of like how uh, people from, you know, uh, that sort of region of the globe like to abbreviate things like Breckers for breakfast. Uh, You know, maybe Taddy is uh, is short for tattered. Uh, No, it looks like I mean, listen, I'm on Urban Dictionary. It looks like Taddy's is uh, is slang for potatoes, usually mashed. Hmm. No, that's Taddy's plural. Mm. Taddy uh, singular yeah. is an adjective. I mean, can I use it in a sentence? Uh, like, uh, boy, mm-hmm. after uh, a year in quarantine, I feel like I am looking uh, rather Taddy. I think it's more like um, after wearing the same plaid shirt every day for a year, that shirt is looking rather Taddy. Mm-hmm. I myself cannot look Taddy. I don't think a person can be tatty. I think it's an I think it is an article of clothing and I think it means mm. more like worn out. Can I, okay, so a living organism cannot be tatty. Yeah. Right, right. Um speaking of googling terms that you don't know, I, I had gotten a uh a text I was texting with with an old uh friend who reached out from out of the blue and we were going back and forth and uh they uh sent me that something was um th- that I don't know if there were, they used an acronym that I am not familiar with, or there was an autocorrect that screwed up uh, what they Uh-oh. what they did. Uh, they said that something was FAF, and I could not for the life of me uh, find figure out what that meant. I did turn to the Urban Dictionary, and it w- did not point me in a result that I think that they were going. Oh, well, Rob, is you, this person as real? Rob, is this person as real as the guy that owns a parking garage? <laughs> of course, yes. Very and they're very wealthy, particular very about their particular. abbreviations, their acronyms. Uh, can, can you use it in a sentence? Maybe not the sentence that that person had if you, if you don't want to be uh, yeah. that public about it. Um, they were uh, complimenting my work, which they said was FAF. Or, or like, I am FAF. Like Are fly, you sure this is a compliment? Foxy so. AF? Yeah. Uh, so. Fantastic AF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of F words that I think could substitute in for very positive terms of endearment. You yeah. can use a lot of F words to describe this podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that, that was just uh, something I was uh, mulling about uh, for a little while yesterday. Okay. All right. Let's talk about uh, the painting task. I, I have to say, I was a little confused in terms of like uh, the overall like blocking of how this was all going on. That I, I like, I felt like we were cutting back and forth between the two teams. Uh, there was a lot of great tension about what was going on. It seemed like it was a photo finish, Mike. I, I don't know if I was exactly following uh, what the issues were uh, facing the two teams. Great tension and great tension. Yeah. So. This was another task that we sort of talked about yesterday and continue to heat praise onto Tough as Nails for using the team challenges to give everyone different roles. We had another case here, right, where two people got into the scissor lift and sort of took care of 
anything that wasn't reachable on the big wall. And then you had people, the other three were on the ground taking care of everything else. Looks like they had like one person on an extender, uh, just sort of and ladders being able to reach the the middle of everything. And then the other two people were were sort of on the ground. And then maybe you have like a Selly as a utility player. What it came down to was that they had to make sure, again, this guy is very particular, that each and every centimeter of wall had to be covered in this nail gray paint. So I don't know if it's Phil or if it's a producer who is noticing like these glaring errors, these little peaks of paint that peek through. But what it came down to is that each team essentially had a sliver sticking out of color remaining and they basically had to find it i think it actually came down to like random guesswork because between being up close to the paint and also the glare from the sun it probably became incredibly difficult to discern what was gray and what was not especially when you're staring at a wall for hours at a time Mm -hmm. your your mind sort of gets confused so i think it honestly came down to a lot of great detail-oriented work by both teams but honestly, at the end of it, it was just making sure you got the right spot with this final do over of everything. Yeah. Well, it was interesting to me, Mike. I have frequently wondered over the course of our one and a half seasons of Tough as Nails, if it is sort of policed the same way as we know Survivor and Amazing Race are, where there is an adjudicator standing off screen to watch what they're doing and decide whether or not they got it right. Mm. And I'd even wondered, like, when they started the task, I thought, is there going to be a point where they think they've got it? And then Phil has to tell them they don't got it. And this indeed came to pass this episode. And I thought it was that added the best tension of all, because you thought it was a blowout. You thought Dirty Hands had it in the bag. And then it turns out they can't find their little sliver. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it certainly like if it had not been for the little sliver, this might not have been a very exciting task to watch. Yeah. And so the other I mean, I don't know, I I feel like this was a really interesting task to watch because of the communication breakdown that ensued with uh, with dirty hands, dirty hands, far from clean, not just covered in paint uh, in this episode. Just the hands, though. Just the hands. Uh, I don't know, a little bit of a little bit in the hair with freight train as well. But I'm going to stop talking because we have a special guest arriving Yes, yes, uh, we're uh, very thrilled to bring in a man who uh, knows the wealthy owner of a building uh, who's very particular, uh, can drive a truck, yeah, yeah, who's never looking tatty. Uh, Here's Phil Kogan. Phil, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I um, I'm I'm even more late than I. uh, No, you're doing. You're you're great. All right. So, can I just tell you some of the challenges of working in COVID? So. I'm trying to do voiceover in my wardrobe, and it just so happens that today is the day that my neighbors decided to do like full on renovation in the bathroom. So in between bangs, I'm like trying to slip in a quick bit of voiceover. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Phil, are you sure is that an overtime challenge going on next door? That it's okay it renovate does, your bathroom while someone's recording? It does feel like an overtime challenge. So I'm, I'm like just I just about get it in here. Boom! And I'm like, oh! So then I start again and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phil, oh, you don't need boy. to tell podcasters about this. That we, this is, this uh, is uh, like uh, ch- challenges of everyday life. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, it's 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 not exactly you know uh, network television. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, sure. That actually ties into one of the questions I had for you this week, Phil. And I, I think we may have asked you about this before, but something that stuck stuck out to me a lot during the team challenge is how you are calling the plays. And so my question is, can they hear you observing who is yeah. doing well and who is doing poorly? Or is that ADR? Mm-hmm. They can hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they can hear me. And um, I also wear a... Uh, I have like a little, um, uh, like a little prompt thing that mm. if something is happening at the other end with dirty hands, like on that wall, and I'm I, I'm focused on Savage Crew, then they can go, hey, there's something happening at Dirty Hands, and I'll walk over. But yeah, they can hear me, and sometimes they'll even make a comment like, yeah, we got it, Phil. Yeah, we know. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and so I, to that to that point, Phil, because it came down to like such you know inch long slivers that existed on the wall. Did you have people sort of like paying attention to those specific walls, tipping you off like, oh, they haven't finished yet or you could give Dirty Hand or you could give Savage Crew the all clear. They've won it. Yeah, that was the only way. The only way I was able to manage that was literally to be able to have some, you know, have the challenge department in my ear. And there's there were three people watching the wall over on Dirty Hands and three over on um, Savage Crew and um, and and other people as well. But they were responsible to make the call, and both of them were like, "Yep, there's still one spot. There's you know a piece of blue paint left on on dirty hands, and then there was a piece of yellow left on Savage Crew." So once we knew, and then I once I knew what to look for, and then they could say it's about halfway up. It's you know such and such, and it's between the bricks. Oh, and then I can see it. <laughs> so that you know, without their eyes and ears, I I uh, I can't I, I can't cover everything. I, I mean, it's no different, I guess, than calling a game. Um, you know, sports game where where the sports commentators are getting clued in on certain things that are happening on some insight. Oh, we just heard from down on the sidelines that uh, mm-hmm. so-and-so is, you know, thrown up into a bucket. He's having a tough game. <laughs> uh, Phil, I know everybody's uh, wondering about Freight Train. Can you give us any update on uh, how Freight Train is uh, doing after he got the medical attention on the show last night? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's good. He's He's fine. And, you know, of course, my heart sank because I thought something more serious or sinister had happened. It was really that he was, as Sally said, exhausted, dehydrated and tired and uncomfortable. And um, he I think just being in the harness and hanging there and then straining and then he was feeling a little anxious about going over. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that he felt like a little something pop in his chest. Um, You know, my first instinct was, oh, my God, you know, I hope it's nothing like sinister but it was literally just that he like got into a bad position yeah and then i thought it was a structural thing but it was more of a just like a muscle painful muscle he got into a uh, uncomfortable situation the challenge of course with covid is that once he went to the hospital he broke our covered bubble yeah mm. that's uh so it becomes way more complicated in a second just like that because uh you know, uh, we're not dealing, we were not dealing with the real, with the regular world. We're dealing with the COVID world. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, people were concerned and rightly so, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting, you know, cause I do love to read what people's comments are and some people will, some people have said, oh, you know, like with the hay bales, oh, I work on a farm and I, I can do 100 bales all by myself. I do it in an afternoon and they're not straw bales. They're 
their their hay bales and alfalfa bales and when they get wet and then I'm in a storm and then I do it all by myself and you know I've been doing it since I was 15 and so so on the one hand you get people saying that what we're doing is not tough enough and then you get the other side of it which is this tough as nails show it's too tough I'm like mm. <laughs> so I think uh for those people who are tough who really are tough they and they come from this world and they've seen this world and they know what it's like to be tough and work in a tough world. Uh, they see this kind of challenge uh, every day, you know, because it's challenging for them every day because they don't have a, a choice to go out to milk the cows in the morning. And, you know, whether there's a storm or not, they got to go out, the cows have got to be milked. Oh. And so, uh, and then there's other people who maybe go to an office every day. And so their level of what is tough and what isn't is a completely different measure from that farmer who, Maybe, you know, this little girl's been getting up with her dad to go milk the cows since she was six years old. And her measure of toughness is different. Phil, so, I thought this was a setup for Tough as Nails casting for season three, which is now started. If you got yeah. if you got up with your dad to milk cows, you might be good for Tough as Nails season three. Yeah, if you think you're Tough as Nails or you know someone who is, then sign up for Tough as Nails right now. Go to CBS.com slash casting and apply now. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some of the people who have kind of like said, "Oh, I could do that with my eyes closed." I'm like, "Let's see it. You know, <laughs> let's let's do it. Come on." You know, first thing I get you to do is get do it. Give us a brutal truth test. Let's see where your score's at. Eight minutes, as many burpee push-ups as you can in eight minutes. Let's get a measure on your uh, overall strength, endurance, um, mental toughness. Let's see where you're at there, and and uh, you really feel like you got something to prove, and you're tougher than these people, and we've got on then. All the power to you. Let's go. Sign up. Mm -hmm. So that does sort of beg the question then. We've talked about how it is very difficult to calibrate and measure toughness. Yes. But that being said, I wondered if, do you think that this season, the challenges were tougher than the previous season? Because we've had, you know, two people medevaced, basically. Um, are those fluke things or was it legitimately harder? Well, um, in the in the real world, uh, in the real world, would a um, would an ambulance have been called in um, for that? You know, like once he once freight train calmed down. I don't know. I mean, we have to go through certain protocols, obviously, um, uh, and 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 there's certain things that there's certain protocols that you follow. But um, no, I mean, I I everybody knows they're signing up. Like I said, everybody knows mm -hmm. they're signing up for a show called Tough as Nails. It's not. Mm. Uh, soft as pillows and um, which again, I think we all agree would be an interesting show, but um, look, uh, when, when people, when, when your kids go to gymnastics on a Saturday, there's a chance they're going to come home with a fractured ankle. There's a chance that they're going to crack a rib on the, uh, on the bar. Uh, if someone steps into an MMA ring, there's a chance that they're going to get hurt. Um, your your kids are uh, playing baseball and somebody might hit them in the head with a ball. I mean, uh, but you could also cross the street and get run over by a bus. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't alleviate all, uh, you know, chances right. of someone being in discomfort or dehydrated or, you know, uh, I mean, as much as we encourage them to drink enough and to, mm -hmm. They hydrated. I mean, they're adults, you know, and we can't be like, come on, you know, mom and daddy want you to drink more drinks. I mean, <laughs> that I was last week, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that was make the drinks. Oh, the make the drinks. Was drink the yeah. drinks. I, I always worry. I worried constantly about Swifty not drinking enough because he never sweat. He would never sweat, and I'd be mm-hmm. like, Swifty, you're not drinking enough hydration. Yeah. That's why he got cramps, in my opinion. Right. And just being having been an athlete and having that drummed into me. But um, these are also people that like Swifty is. He is tough. He's just. He's so. Uh, he's there's this thing my dad would call country strong and Swifty's that kind of country strong. Like his constitution is so tough. He's the kind of guy that would like forget to have a drink and he'd go work in a, in this, in the steel factory. And he'd probably like get through working five, six hours and realize he hadn't really had any hydration. Let me have a drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, but, it- um, uh, I was going to say that I think it's something that also like uh, highlights the, diff- the difference between the two seasons of that. that you know, it really has been like uh, this, like a uh, song of fire and ice where the first season I remember it was so cold, like everybody was right. freezing yeah. all the time uh, this season. And I'm sure like I think it was only like a couple months earlier in the crazy Los Angeles weather that it's like uh, so hot. They're talking about all the time. Yeah. And um, and, and th- that's another thing, you know, we don't know what happens is like a. a slightly warmer temperatures than normal, slightly cooler temperatures than we usually have. And, you know, in California, we're in a desert. And, and so in the mornings, it can be very cool and at night, very cool. And then it certainly gets hot. So, um, you know, the, the, the only way you can sort of measure whether it's too tough or not is to really ask the contestants. And, um, you know, they, they constantly tell us that what they do in their everyday lives is way tougher than what we're asking them to do. I mean, we're, we're asking them to go compete intensely to do something for a couple of hours or whatever. These are people who have done 30 plus years. I mean, you think about how tough somebody like Lee is getting up, you know, that to me is way tougher than the little window of challenge that we give them. That's mm-hmm. tough. That's, mm-hmm. that's hard, you know, and just like, a, a you know, someone who goes to work in a factory every day, you can't, you can't underestimate the mental toughness that it takes to get up get dressed, get the kids ready, get them out, get them to school, drop them off, carpool, get to the factory, go to, I mean, there's so many people who are doing so many hard yards. So, and we all have such a different measure of what tough means in this world. And, mm. um, and I think that's, it's an eye opener for a lot of people. Like, wow, people, there's some people that do it really hard. Like they holding down three jobs and it's, I mean, it's part of why, we're trying to do tough as nails because a lot of shows focus in on the glamorous and the glitz and the, what happens when you make it and we're striving to make it and make it means the jets and the bling and the comfort life and the big house and the big car and all of that. This, you know, there's this aspirational aspect to these shows where that's what they're playing up. Like you're going to make it, you're going to be a star. You're going to Hollywood. You're going to be that. And then there's this other side, which is for the majority of the population who that's just like a whole other world. Like they, they don't have that. They're over here trying to pay bills. And, um, you know, I, like I said to you, I learned a lot from listening to my grandparents growing up in the depression. And there's a lot of Americans who get that. They're not that far away from understanding that world. And then there's people that are still living in that world. And we kind of, maybe don't know because we just don't maybe some of us are not exposed to that but there's a lot of americans who are 
they're lining up in food banks right now and, and they're doing hard yards. And, you know, this season in particular, I think with, with someone like Angel, I think the, the reason there's so much empathy for somebody like Angel is that there's a lot of people can identify with that. They can identify with the fact that freight train doesn't have a lot, but he's got more than Angel has. And that's very true for a lot of people. So, um, yeah. So going back to uh, sort of like the weather dependent setting, uh, I think what also might have really turned up the heat quite literally was the fact that you were in the city. Right. The fact that you had them up close to the buildings and the glass and everything. And that sort of ties into what we talked about last week, where it really does feel like between last week at the stadium slash the, you know, the brewery. And then this week, it really does feel like for the first time ever, Tough as Nails sort of went into a more urban setting as opposed to what we're used to. Was that a manner of what you were speaking about in previous podcasts about just finding the locations that can fill your needs? Was this like a very deliberate choice of we wanted to, to tackle some more urban types of challenges? What what was the impetus behind going to the city? Really, the, the latter really was about about trying to get into the inner city. Shooting in the inner city was way more difficult than going out into a, you know, into an open air farm. You know, where, where we shot the hay bales is was a, was a breeze. There's lots of room to park. There's lots of open air. There's less concern about how to spread people out um, while shooting COVID. Going into downtown is very hard. Um, we couldn't have green zones and red zones mixing on one side of the pavement. So mm. all the green zones are on the other side of the street, red zones on this side of the street. Now you've got the public. So now you have to block off certain areas where the public can go. That costs because now you've got to get the police involved to block things off and so it got, becomes way, way, way more complicated. But we also uh, are aware that the that there are people in urban environments who are also uh, tough. So we can't, you know, it's just a matter of trying to find new and different things. And um, painting is a very tough job, um, and and so is window washing, um, and and so is uh, picking up straw bales. So uh, yeah, it's just a matter of getting a mix and we're developing right now the the challenges for season three and there's some really interesting challenges in that as well. Um, and hopefully as more and more people get the shot, we'll, uh, I'm hoping that some of the restrictions that we had to face in season two, we're not going to have to be so strict with in season three. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. fingers crossed because it's, it's tough. Will you (laughs) be making a vaccination a requirement for cast and crew? I don't know if legally we can. Uh, Interesting. It's, very good. it's a it's a conversation we've had. I don't know whether you guys know, but I don't know whether you can mandate at a workplace that someone has to have a vaccination. Um, it certainly would be encouraged. Um, and and it's very, as you know, it's a very political thing, right? If you right. look at uh, if you look at those people who are uh, like Democrats, tend to. Uh, skew towards wanting it and then republicans don't um that's just a i don't know where i got that poll from but mm-hmm. I, somewhere i read that um i thought it was good that president trump uh said get the vaccination we know he's had it so i thought that was a positive sign um but uh i i hope that there's enough people who are going to get it that that helps those people who who have decided they're not going to get it. And I read an interesting thing the other day. I saw where a woman had got the uh, Moderna, is it the Moderna vaccination? And her 
child she gave birth and her child had the antibodies mm-hmm. um hmm. and and uh so that was really interesting so wow it's another that was like that's a two for one one shot for two people <laughs> <laughs> yeah well come for the toughest nails recap and then uh get all of the uh latest uh vaccine news also this is great yeah it's a it's a mix so speaking of mix though phil I want to talk about something uh, when it came to the paint and also segues into a little bit of last week. Let's talk Tough as Nails branding for a second, right? Because we had the nail gray paint. The three of us actually, uh, before we came onto this call, were like, okay, is this like an actual color? We looked it up. We couldn't find a shade of it. Was nail gray something that you came up with in reference to Tough as Nails? We might have taken a few liberties in the uh, shading of the gray, uh, Michael. I, uh, uh, are you uh, are you offended by that? I mean, no, 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 no. I just, I mean, it's 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 in line with what you did last week, right? When you had five branded tough as nail beers. So I think you are slowly but surely rolling out your own marketing underneath the context of this entire show. First so was I, the I calendar, then the the, the uh, IPA, and now yeah. the the paint. Yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say, I think I think you're doing some half measures here, Phil, and we don't want half measures. We want you to go, you know, go all in on the merchandising or don't do it at all. What That's about like uh, tough as nails underwear that is uh, lined with barbed wire? <laughs> oh, it depends on one, yeah. which, which side. <laughs> yeah. Some people might be into that. Is that a pattern or actual barbed wire? Maybe it's just the backside, and then uh, th- that's the toughest nails underwear. Yes. I don't know. Uh, um, is that where Swifty got this from? They take nothing away. They tough. They beat us. So now it's our turn to beat that ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, here's one thing I'll promise you. If you ever want some nail gray paint, I'm going to give you the discount of the century, okay? <laughs> you, you want nail gray paint? I think it would look great behind you right there. I think so, too. So I, let listen. me know, and I'll hook you up with five gallons. I'll give you a deal on five gallons. You buy 10, I'll give you a two for one. How about that? All right, so, Rob, add to the laundry list. Uh, getting paint deals is another thing you can get on a Tempest Nails yeah. podcast. So was your neighbor doing the bathroom in Nail Gray? Uh, you know, I, I, I hesitate to ask. I, I, I would love to go over there, but now I'm concerned because I don't know, you know, are they wearing masks over there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like in, a, in the regular world, I'd walk over and say, hey, you mind if I have a look to yeah. see yeah. what's going on? Look at this great work going on here in this bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Not a spot. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I could just walk in and I could say, hey, guys, uh, listen, do you, do you mind just to keep my just to keep my commentary in? If you, do you mind if I just commentate on your work? Yeah. While work <laughs> or Phil, have them do the burpee test that the casting might be like a, you might find the next superstar right next door. Yeah, you never know. Wouldn't that be great if I could just find one just like that? Yeah. Does that, count as, right does, that, does that count as nepotism, though? If it's like, oh, we're next door neighbors with Phil Kogan. Oh, OK. Thumbs up. No, the, the contractors, it, not the, contractors, the neighbors. Like, yeah, it's not the it's not the, uh, it's not the neighbors. <laughs> she, I, I don't think so. But I do. I, listen, I have. Um, what is the time? I have I have seven minutes with you. OK. Uh, How about but, this then? All right. I, I do. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, could you uh, give us any sense of how uh, things will work if Freight Train uh, can't return to the game now that he has been to the hospital? Uh, I, just that we'll have to adapt. Yeah. And I'll leave, I'll leave that for you to figure out. But um, yeah, I'm, listen, if if uh, if it wasn't for COVID, he would have just come, come right back, back to the yeah. hotel mm-hmm. and it would have it would have been it would have been. Uh, 
back to normal. I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying is that the, the unfortunate part of it is with him now out of the bubble and us having to follow COVID protocols and him not coming back, there may be some assumption that, oh, this must have been some serious thing and that's why he's mm-hmm. not there. But the reality is it's because of COVID. So mm. he wanted to come back immediately after he got hydrated and cooled down. He was ready to go. It's just, like I said, we're just not living in a normal world. Sure. That we know. Uh, and it's it's frustrating, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Phil, was there, was there something you wanted to, to bring up before Rob asked this question? Oh, no. I was just going to say that I, 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 just a quick microwave story. So, um, I, uh, you know, I love being handy around the house. And um, I'm, right now I'm doing a little touch-up painting. So, around the house and um uh anyway the microwave broke my daughter told me that the microwave button the start stop button broke so i was away at the time and so we called in a repair person and they said oh you're gonna have to replace that whole circuitry board and uh i was like oh really okay well i guess that's better than replacing the whole microwave which is it's been custom put into yeah an Ikea kitchen set thing. Yeah. Mm. And uh, anyway, we get the quote and it was uh, $450 for the circuit board and $700 for the labor. So uh, I was like, you could buy a new microwave for that. That's, that's ridiculous. It's one button. Like how hard could it be to fix? So I, I said, just live without the microwave. When I get home, I'll fix the damn microwave. So um, I, I ordered the parts online. I found them for like $120. So I ordered the parts and then I set about taking out the microwave and pulled it all pieces and, uh, and went, went back to where the circuit board was to replace the circuit board with the ribbon and the plug-in and the clip and the whole thing and realized that there was nothing wrong with anything inside the microwave, but there were four clips that held the button against the outside button and that one of those four gray clips had broken. So I got a pair of tweezers that I got from my grandfather who used to be a gunsmith and it was like a little dental tools. And then I mixed up epoxy and glued that little piece back and put that little thing in there. My microwave is working. Wow. Amazing. Look at this. Yes. Now all I'm saying is it's a lesson for all of us that sometimes we need to dig a little deeper. Mm. Dig a little Mm. deeper. Don't make the assumption always that the only way to to fix something is to replace it or go crazy. Think back to old school, like what would your grandparents have done? Fix it. Fix it. Will this be an overtime challenge in season three? (laughs) My microwave doesn't work. You must fix it. (laughs) I did did like that someone pointed out that... um, that Tough as Nails is the only show on television that could make watching paint dry interesting. Oh. <laughs> That's very true, though. Uh, and actually, rather very much like a sort of like an optical illusion, right? Of like, I can't tell what is what because of the paint drying. It, it's, it, it was the most exciting exactly. I've seen paint drying ever. The next thing we got to do is we got to make grass growing uh, also. Yes, exciting. gardening challenge. Challenge around grass growing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil, uh, could you tell us about uh, the introduction of, uh, I'm assuming this will be an annual, like, uh, uh, find your inner Murph uh, challenge of the season to reference uh, the season one uh, moments where Murph struggled with heights but overcame them. 
Yeah. So I, I, uh, it was just something that occurred to me that was a great life lesson. I was very, I was really inspired by Murph, uh, doing that. And of course we know Murph went on to win. He was at a stumbling point after getting into overtime and, um, you know, he's, he got so much support from people who know what it's like to suffer from a fear of heights. And so I just thought it was a great lesson to draw on to give them some inspiration. So we had, you know, so everybody would give it a go. Like, this is when you got to draw on your inner Murph. Think about where Murph was. He was just as scared as you were, maybe even more scared, but he did it. You can do it. You're safe. We've got you. You know, we had the best safety people out there with us to look after people. And um, you're going to be fine. This is more about what's going on in here as opposed to, you know, any real present danger or anything about going over the side. One final thing that I want to ask, because I before you came on, I said, I keep forgetting this every time. So I'm going to finally check it off my list. Phil, I want to talk about you always driving the truck into the set when the day starts each episode. Like, is that is when did you make that decision? Uh, Was it to really like present the prize? Everyone like you could be just like me driving this truck if you became tough as nails champion. It's just me trying to be badass. And um, (laughs) I, 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 uh. It, it's my little moment of being in an action movie. Uh, oh, here, you know, it's like me. I'm trying to like emulate Steve McQueen or uh, in Bullet, or I'm trying to be, uh, uh, you know, what's his name in um, in Fast and the Furious. So it's Alvin really, Diesel. Yeah, it's just just indulge me, Mike. All right, let me drive into my yeah. big truck. Feel feel like I'm listen. You you Phil, you you be your dom throw. You channel your freight train right, and like you do all the drag racing that you need to with that Ford F one fifty. I love it. Yeah, so that's that's yeah. really all. You know what else, Phil? I'll tell you that uh, James Corden on his skidoo has nothing on you in the truck. <laughs> you would run him right off the road. Yeah, he doesn't even he doesn't even drive in carpool karaoke. You're actually doing the driving. It would be a good host smackdown, don't you think? We just I drive up alongside in my in my truck, and then I like literally open the passion my driver's side door knock him off with the door and in one fluid motion as he's falling off i jump onto the scudoo and boom i'm there and heading straight for paramount mountain i'm totally here for this beef i I like that we were here at the origin point of the great kogan cordon beef yeah Yeah, and then once you you get off that scudoo get to that microwave fix that clip and then you're ready to make some dinner yeah and then you know that the next time i see james Corden, i find out that he's got some you know, he's some black belt in some <laughs> martial arts and sees me and, and the first thing he does is just, you know, beat that ass. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna beat that ass and then he takes me down, paints me paints me into a corner and and I'm completely washed up. Um all right, I yeah. gotta, um, He's only a nail gray belt, Phil. He's only a nail gray belt. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. On that note, I'll let I'll let uh, I'll I'll leave it on that note. Yes, Rob, very nice and uh, nice to see you guys. I'm Always jump on a call, but I will talk to you soon. And uh, next week is really fun. It's a it's a great show, um, and you will find out what happens. All right, thank you so much, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. All right, bye, guys. Bye. All right, so we got the answers to a lot of our questions. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, very, uh, very interesting news that, uh, so freight train will not be coming back. 
And unless unless they take like a two week period to wait it. Well, out I don't think so. I, I don't think with that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if at the finale you see him there, like like cheering on like whoever else is uh, <laughs> from six feet away. Yeah, like I think sort of like when they had the guy in the boat, uh, the, the sea captain, uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> the boat comes in and it's what that captain and freight train stand. Yeah, maybe flying. put freight train in the back of the pickup when uh, Phil drives in, like uh, like a rose bowl, like hey, <laughs> freight train parade. <laughs> yeah, put him on a literal freight train. So, so, do you think that they will do the next team challenge of uh, five versus four? Or do you think they'll sit somebody out? No, I think I think what they're going to do moving forward is I think they're going to do five e four. I I do not think because I think that's an inherent storyline in and of itself, right? The drama mm-hmm. of dirty hands are now natural underdogs in that they are always going to be outmanned just by pure bodies. And so if every time that they win, it's going to prove that like you can have the mental toughness to even overcome a number deficit. And who knows? Maybe the numbers advantage might work. In, in Dirty Hands favors a couple times. So I have full faith that if indeed Freight Train is not back in the competition, that I think all the team challengers are going to be 4v5 moving forward. Yeah, there could be a, a moment where it's like you have to have all your team members get through a thing and end up on the other side of the thing. And, you know, then it is actually advantageous to only have four people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or they could do, you know, the the lumberjack challenges that they ended in the last one with, right? Which is a lot of one v one matchups. It's not mm-hmm. that disadvantageous to have to not have a person. It just means that someone has to go an extra time. And when you have Angel, the Energizer Bunny, then I think that you're you're absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to uh, Knuckles because that I'm reminded of the conversation that uh, she had with Sarah. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, was it in last week's episode where mm-hmm. where Sarah said like, "Oh well, you know they have three men on their team. Well now it's now it's uh, only uh, two men on each team. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see like uh, you know if this is like some extra uh, fuel in the tank for uh, Knuckles and for uh, Dirty Hands to prove that uh, they can win with just the four. Uh, she had uh, an interesting conversation with Zeus uh, in the episode. Uh, I liked how she framed it as like, well, Zeus, he's used to being like the, the you know, just the God's gift to this competition. I mean, his name is literally uh, <laughs> Zeus. Uh, but Jess, I, I saw that, uh, that uh, you seemed like uh, you were uh, very inspired by what Knuckles was talking about oh yeah this is this is officially a knuckles stan account at this point Mm -hmm. Uh, i i have loved although we love all the contestants we do love all the contestants and i would say it has been very rare i've watched probably more reality tv than um than 99 percent of the population and it's very very rare that i have somebody i'm actively rooting for to win there's people i like better sometimes i mean i like everybody um, don't get me wrong here, but it's I really responded to everything that she's been saying about like just being a woman and putting yourself out there in anything, not to mention uh, like let alone putting yourself out there in a male dominated field. I thought she's had some really great insights to that. And it is very true what she's saying to Zeus in this moment that if a woman comes out like women are socialized not to say I'm awesome. And I've got this and I can handle it Mm. just because they're they're socialized more for humility. And, you know, you would not see a woman come into this competition, name herself after a Greek goddess. Like, that's just Mm -hmm. not going to happen. There's no Athena. 
Yeah, there's no nobody's coming in unless their name is literally Athena. They're not going to be like, yeah, my friends call me Athena because I'm I'm wiser than everybody. That's just not going to happen. Um, so I thought it was really it's been really nice to see these conversations coming up. And they did a little bit last season, but it not really not nearly as much as it's been coming up here. And Knuckles definitely has the kind of analytical chops to really verbalize these issues in a way that I think a lot of people uh, resonate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think her her and Meryl, uh, again, I think everyone speaks about it very well, but in mm-hmm. particular, Knuckles and Meryl are, the, are yeah. the two who I think throughout the season have really spoke about, you know, what it's like to how the rarity of women in their work field and how societal perspectives sort of feed into that. Uh, Meryl also talks about coming from uh, as a woman of color as well, how that even adds a layer onto it. And it's another reason why, again, the diversity of this casting is so incredibly important because how dirty hands ends up losing is because of a a big communication breakdown where we were going into this and saying like zeus could be a dark horse in this competition he there's nothing that he's really bad at but knuckles sort of outlines in this episode that zeus kind of has like his set method on doing things right like he said he's going to eliminate redundant moves but it seems like there was an issue with him communicating that to the rest of the team and so as a result, there was things like not taking the extender out. And it was those small moments that probably cost Dirty Hands a bunch of time and a lot of crosswords exchanged between parties that allowed uh, Savage Crew to come through and take the win here. Yeah, I think we can definitely we can pinpoint where like if everybody has their Wizard of Oz journey where they're going to come out the other side of this competition better. I think we see what Zeus is picking up along the way. Mm hmm. Um, we have not talked much about the individual competition, uh, except uh, that uh, Freight Train ultimately uh, suffers uh, his uh, injury during it. Uh, but yeah, we bring back the uh, ceremonial uh, Find Your Inner Murph challenge, where this time around uh, we are washing windows. Uh, Jess, did they? Is, is this a, a challenge that has been done on the Amazing Race? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and there was issues with, with with that harness also, correct? Yeah, there were. Well, let's just suffice it to say, some of the contestants participating in that challenge uh, did not have a ball. <laughs> yeah, I don't need I'm to go back to the amazing like, race. The pulse, the pulse oxidizer. We need to put it there. I don't need to go back to like. the sound cl- the soundboard. No, uh, we don't. We don't need that. But yeah. yes, that that was the first thing that came to mind for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, this is sort of the Murph Morial challenge, right? And we actually, I know that they made a reference to Murph in the firefighting challenge specifically last yeah. season with Phil's uh, trust your gear. But this that was not the only one. Let's remember that the first pole. time Murph. Yeah, the first time Murph conquered his heights is when they did like the uh, before Zeus, there was a lineman challenge where they had to climb all the way up. And that's how we got introduced to it. And here we have various cases, right? Like Freight Train doesn't have a fear of heights. He has a fear of falling, mm-hmm. which I think is a really great way to compartmentalize it. But Scott is shaken here. And yeah. I think I think he makes a really great strategic choice in that they for some reason, they didn't reveal it last week. But in winning the challenge, Scott gets to pick his partner. He picks Merrill. Which, A, is fantastic from a character perspective. They are far and away my favorite dynamic in the show. Mm-hmm. Those two together. Like, even in the, you know... in Such the, a great the duo. Dam- yeah, even in the damn van when he's like, uh, you know, no offense, I'm just kidding, I'm going to murder you all. And Meryl just responds with F you. It's just like, you mm-hmm. can tell they really like shooting the shit with each other. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he, but it was also a strategic choice as well, because he's like, 
this i am terrified i need need someone who i know is not only calm cool collected but like will have a fantastic time doing this and that's meryl yeah um it's too bad with covid protocols that they were not actually able to have murph there in the flesh to get like uh pump up the teams before they did this to say okay everybody that you're gonna go out there and just face your fear it'll be okay beat that ass beat that ass everybody. <laughs> um, but second that was there a choice between which partner had to run this or was it because freight train got hurt that was the other partner then supposed to then take a turn yes yeah they were supposed to switch okay that was so just so yeah to, because because freight train ran the first leg and everything sort of got cut off at that point. Otherwise, they were going to come down and then the partners were supposed to run up the building and do the other side. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Because I was like, I, I'm, I guess I'm like watching the I'm like, oh, there's not that much time. Left. I guess they only only one person had to do it. Like, uh, that was a weird pick that they had freight train do this. Uh, but <laughs> that, I, that I feel like that if you only had one partner I have to do it, but both partners have to do it. Yeah. Well, I think on the same along the same lines, if if it was only one partner that had to do it. Scott and Merrill would definitely have sent Merrill. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was a little confused about. But yeah, yeah so, so both yeah. people were going to do it. But uh, yeah, Scott is able to not only overcome his fear of heights, but he is able to excel. I thought he was the best out of anybody at washing the windows. Absolutely. I mean, I think the reach has certainly helped Scott Incredible. Uh, in this episode. But yeah, I mean, it also helps that there was a big problem with a lot of these people of just like spinning. Even someone like Zeus, again, who is even more used to heights than Meryl, is like careening off the mm-hmm. building because it was all about positioning as well. And Swifty and think, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that Scott was able to once he was able to calm himself down. I mean, it, it looked like he was physically literally shaken as he was going off the side of that building. But I think much like we saw with Murph, he was able to keep his eyes ahead, focus on the matter at hand. I, I, I really like when he said, like, there was a good chance I was going to walk away from this, but then I realized I would be screwing Meryl over. Like, despite all the talk again about individual versus team, it shows that he does indeed care about his partner and his team and Meryl, that he wouldn't purposely take that, that DQ if this is something he wasn't comfortable with. And as a result, he was on his way to getting another first place victory alongside Meryl, because I'm assuming once he gets down to the bottom, she's just going to blaze a trail up and down that thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the problem is, I think at that point, you can't walk away from it because you're not just consigning yourself to the bottom. Exactly. It's yeah, it becomes Scott versus Meryl in the in the OT. And that's that would be hard to see especially because Mm -hmm. we don't want to lose either one of them at this point yeah so i especially like the game design of this too you know uh we talked about this uh uh, actually during the uh survivor panel last night we're talking about the gross food challenge being before the merge versus after the merge where if it's after the merge like ah you know what Uh, i'm not gonna eat this Uh, it's only my immunity but then to have a partner to be paired with somebody of like yeah i i don't want to do this i'll I'll take the ot well you're also sentencing somebody else to the ot too Mm -hmm. it's a good point that you know there is another burden on top of that and while it may not be as unfair much like uh what happens in a tribal phase in survivor like if one person drags you down then that means you're you're consigned to go to the ot Mm -hmm. it also doesn't necessarily incentivize people to say well i'm gonna just coast for this challenge because then you you have the guilt and everyone really likes each other on this season then nobody's like 
even even you know if you're trying to pursue something tactically i don't think anyone's purposely thinking like okay i'm gonna put myself in ot against the biggest threat that is way too much playing with fire Mm -hmm. yeah that's not that's not what this show is for sure yeah and i in fact we very rarely see people even say they'd like to see someone in ot like we've gotten a little bit of it, like this person's a strong contender and it would be advantageous, but you never see, I want to, I want that person out. I want him to go. And I think part of this is just like the more collegial spirit of the game, but there's also an element of these people are not going home. So you still have to look them in the eye. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, probably the biggest incentive not to do that is because then you get somebody watching you compete for the entire rest of the game being like, yeah, you screwed me. Hi, what's up? Mm-hmm. And potentially even like being on the same team with you for the team challenges. So yeah, that's, that's rough. So it does incentivize you to be a little bit nicer. Yeah. So, and uh, on that note, I would love to also talk about the conversation in the damn van about Scott being viewed as a threat as well because we talked about this during the sheep challenge right how this season didn't really have those moments of danny and murph saying okay we're each other's biggest competition we didn't have that moment until uh scott picks freight train and angel to go against each other and we get conversation here where even scott's own team is saying i think you're a legitimate threat to win i mean i'm gonna go so far as to say i know we only got a few episodes left but i think Pencil and Scott for the final three. I think oh, no uh, doubt. I think showing if his track record hasn't proven it, I think actually getting a storyline now mention of him being one of the biggest threats left in the game, mm-hmm. understandably so. He's doing an excellent job. Well deserved. Really put him in yes. for that final challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt of that. And you know, we we had him pegged as a threat pretty early on. Um but you know, he's He's just got the best like all around skill set, I think. And mm-hmm. we're also, you know, we've mentioned the edit is really pushing that on it on us. They're saying, you know, we, we watch him perform and objectively he's doing a great job. And then the edit is also reiterating that like, look, he's doing a good job. Everybody knows, like even the people there with him, they know he's on his way to the finals. Yeah. But he's also been incredibly impressive uh, in uh, so many different ways. Oh, for sure. He's he's definitely one of the standout reality characters of the year so far. Okay. All right. Um, you want to uh, dive into some uh, questions from uh, some of the listeners? Sure. Um, can I may need to drop off early, guys? Okay. Um, but let's let's handle. All right. You will give us a, that. You know, when, when Phil said I have a microwave story for you, I thought he was like going to tell us like a thirty second story that was I like that, I <laughs> some sort of like tatty term. Yeah, like, I oh, didn't. That's a, that's a that's a colloquialism. I didn't think he was going to tell a story about a literal microwave. Uh, yeah, a microwave is the same thing in New Zealand as it is here. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, but I actually, I, I love that term though. Of like, okay, if you have a quick, short, thirty second thing to share, yeah. we call it a microwave story. Just uh, how 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 many minutes do you have? Four. All right, four. And then I have to go get my kid. Right. And then we'll and then we'll uh do uh you know, we could do twenty minutes on uh plugs of uh, all me and Mike's podcast. Okay. Yeah, exactly. uh, well, you know, I have one podcast and it's not technically on our HAP, so sure. that's fine with me. Do you have anything that you want to make sure that uh we discuss in those few minutes? I mean, we have covered everything on my list, so the rest of it is just gravy. Okay. Um yeah, uh, Nick Fishman says, looks like we missed out on a jackhammer over time. Uh, this season is like the co-wrong of Tough as Nails. Um, did you spot a jackhammer? I think I saw it in the previous next time on from like episode mm-hmm. five going into episode six. That there was something with people operating jackhammers. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that was a trick and we're going to get that challenge as an individual challenge later on. 
but maybe that would have been it. I thought of it, the theming of this episode was interesting in that it wasn't like representing a specific trade. It was clean up the city, I think, was was the overall theming, which I don't know if jackhammers would have gone along with that. Maybe I guess if you're breaking up like loose slate, that could be cleaning <laughs> up the city. But I thought cleaning it was an interesting up the sidewalk. Theme. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, to that point, we didn't talk about how part of the team challenge involved. You had to also clean up after yourself, which I feel like they should do in every challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put everything away. Um, Patrick Liao says, I can't believe they would do us dirty like that by showing Patrick's medevac on March 17th. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, they should have painted the wall green. Oh, that would have been interesting. They, well, I think much like many shows, had they known they would have been airing on St. Patrick's Day, they definitely would have been like, you're going to paint this green. Or if they were filming in Chicago, you're going to have to hand dye the river green. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, so much green river talk uh, these days. Uh, and uh, yeah, I see a lot of love uh, for Selly from uh, everywhere. Everybody loves uh, Selly. She's iconic. Yeah. Well, I mean, what she did was pretty freaking awesome, right? I mean, outside of what John Carroll does when Pascal collapses in Survivor mm-hmm. of the Marquesas, I can't really think of any other time that a medical professional contestant. Uh, what are you forgetting mm-hmm. about when Eric Reichenbach collapsed and Eddie uh, was able to provide his uh, EMT services? Uh, yes, I forgot. Uh, listen, Eddie Fox had more uh, appealing moments in the finale of Survivor Caramoan than that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's very rare that a, that a contestant's like, you know, is there a doctor in the house? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Let me step in and help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sally benefited from the fact that she wasn't in the challenge, so she could actually become a part of the medical staff in that portion of time. And she's already quarantined herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jess, what do you think of the uh, dirty hands cheer? Um. I feel like it was more involved last season. Mm -hmm. Is it the same one? Did the original Dirty Hands coin that? Yeah, original Dirty Hands. Well, no, Savage Crew had like a whole... Savage Crew had Are You Savage? Yeah, they had Are You Savage. And And the Dirty Hands had like a rap, didn't they? That like everybody had a verse. Dirty Hands! Uh, Yes. And this this season is just what? Dirty, Dirty Hands? Yeah. I feel like we need one more dirty in there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it, Mm. it doesn't scan to me like Dirty, Dirty, Dirty Hands feels like it has more oomph but on the other hand you know i haven't used that music degree in 20 years so (laughs) (laughs) okay all right all right all right i'm off guys thank you so much okay all right see ya all right uh mike any other uh, any other thoughts uh would do we know where where's the location we're headed next week so it looks like we are going back out to the like the mythical cul-de-sac. I don't know if this is the oh. same one that was slated to be destroyed uh, back in season one that they they moved people out of. But it looks like I saw them like planting trees. Uh, it looks like they might be doing some landscaping work, which is interesting. So we're going back out from the city, but I don't think we really saw much else from that. I think obviously the big storyline going in is going to be if indeed Dirty Hands is down four to Savage Cruise five, are they going to be able to overcome this deficit? Has Dirty Hands indeed become the Savage Crew of season one, the like mm-hmm. perennial underdogs for the last few episodes? Yeah, uh, it's been a war of attrition here on Tough as Nail season two. I know it's it's been so odd for a show that touts itself as when you go home, you're going to stay here. That mm-hmm. has not been the case for a quarter of this cast. And I'm you don't sure- have to go home. You can stay here. But I'm sure, you know, obviously, Phil and Louise at all did not want it that way. No. They are rolling with the punches. I do feel like I jinxed it last week, and I'm like, all right, things are finally back to normal mm-hmm. here on Tough as Nails. Yeah. And we end things like this. Uh, another, another time where we don't have an overtime challenge, but I hope that we're able to 
soldier forward with this group and you know uh get back to the to the swing of things as we round the the final few episodes of the season yeah it's been uh six episodes we've only had uh three overtime challenges uh in the season yeah and i mean if you don't count Terra, only two people have been eliminated in like proper mm-hmm. fashion right yeah so yeah it's been a wild ride here on tough as nails uh season two okay uh mike anything else I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, as as a Savage Crew stan, I was happy to see them rally and come together. I did like the moment of redemption for Scott as well, where he was talking about like Swifty and I uh, didn't necessarily see eye to eye in a previous challenge, but now I'm going to do so. And and Swifty got redemption. And Swifty got redemption as well for the last Mm -hmm. time that he lost last time he was captain, and now he was able to get some redemption here. He beat that ass. (laughs) Okay. All right, Uh, Mike. What's uh what's going on for, uh, with you? I know that uh, the other night you and I and Lindsay Wilson got together to talk about Survivor's funniest loved ones uh, visit moments uh, that loved ones came in season one of Tough as Nails, but it wasn't very funny. No, uh, exactly. But yeah, people on Tough as Nails might consider themselves a family, but we talked about moments of actual blood and water in uh, an outwit outplay out list. You, me and Lindsay Wilson talked about 20 of the funniest moments either involving a loved one or maybe contentiously so people talking about loved ones uh it was a very fun time so people can check that out i know that additionally rob you and i are going to be doing some brand stealing this weekend with the patrons of rob has a podcast that's an incentive of becoming a patron of rhap yes you get to play in a brand steel game where you are a contestant yeah and if you're confused as to what that is uh that uh, of course uh mike and i and josh have done many uh brand steel simulations uh where that i think that some of our uh tough as nails uh listeners uh that are uh like what is this now uh, is, uh yeah, we, like, oh you guys are going to a steel mill yeah yeah with swifty uh and so we uh there's a simulator that uh, can simulate a survivor season. Uh, but we load in uh, 16, 18, uh, maybe 20 real people into a Zoom call. And the simulator tells us what happens. And then we talk to the real people about what's going on. And we'll be doing that next Friday night. Yeah. So uh, many incentives to become a patron of Rob has a podcast. A bunch of extra content, including that. Uh, otherwise, I am finishing up my coverage of Survivor South Africa season five with Shannon Gus, which has been an absolutely wild right we put a final coat of paint on our coverage of that season before maybe doing a couple of interviews before we get into coverage of a new survivor with season eight coming in june Mm -hmm. and then over on post show recaps lost coverage down the hatch uh x files coverage with my wife on the bloom files and then also i am very excited to begin my coverage of the falcon and the winter soldier on on everything is super on post show recaps uh by the time people are listening to this that might even be on disney plus right now okay all right. Uh, so uh, looking forward to all that is uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Feels like a, uh, they phoned it in on the name. I mean, it, it depends. Maybe they're going to like change the name to, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, even though there's a movie called Captain America, colon, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe maybe they're, they're going for purposeful title changes as it goes on. I will say. If there's one guy who's not afraid of heights, it's Sam Wilson. Considering he <laughs> sure. is soaring high as part of his. He's found set. his inner Murph. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, I, I can imagine Swifty down at the Forge is, uh, you know, making a, an, a metal arm to maybe mm-hmm. rival Bucky Barnes uh, yeah. in terms of firepower. Like at least WandaVision uh, they came up with with something. 
What way are we going to make like a Falcon Bucky? Just uh, keep portmanteauing their names together? It's just like, I feel like every one of these Disney Plus shows is just like uh, the name of the person. Well, listen, we can't all be Phil Kogan coming up with fun little branding, right? Maybe mm-hmm. we should put Phil in charge of how to name these Disney Plus shows. I mean, look, what's coming in June? Loki. That's what it's called. So mm-hmm. they, they want to be upfront with what these shows are about. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they've really taken like sort of like uh, like 90s uh, stand up comedian sitcom uh, naming to Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Just wait until Bucky Barnes takes a machine gun to a watermelon. That's really <laughs> what gets the crowds laughing. All right. Uh, of course, uh, I mentioned uh, last night we had a historic podcast here on Rob's <laughs> podcast. Uh, that we went on and on and on about Survivor Caramo and the 30th best season of Survivor uh, with the co-hosts of the New Girl Old Guy Rewatch podcast. It was Ali Lasher and Akiva Winokur. Uh, we went through uh, everything from survivor caramo and had a lot of fun uh with that one last night plus uh we are going to be uh adding in another week of the rjp rewind when jenny autumn is going to join uh chappelle and myself as we watch the first episode of beauty and the geek mike were you a beauty and the geek person I, so I wasn't from the first season, but I do remember I caught some of the later seasons when they threw in twists like, OK, now there's one attractive male and like one geeky girl oh. or when sometimes they would reverse the gender. So they definitely played with the formula. But I remember, yeah, that was uh, one of those testament shows on the WB, I want to say. Yeah, in, I think like, it started mid- WB before uh, CW. Uh, and then, of course, uh, be sure to catch all of our Big Brother Canada coverage ongoing. Uh, Taryn will have a eviction recap of a week that Mike Bloom has called the greatest uh, Big Brother week in years. Yeah, I mean, listen, there were more flips than Swifty on a harness. That's how <laughs> much was going on in the Big Brother Canada Nine House. If you are a Big Brother fan and you have not dipped your toes into the water of international Big Brother yet, I highly recommend it. It has been so much fun. And Taryn's innumerable amount of coverage to go mm-hmm. alongside it uh, is a fantastic companion piece. Yep. Uh, not to mention uh, one last patron activity. Patron Mafia will be back on uh, Friday night. And uh, Dr. Christian Hubicki will be co-hosting our Patron Mafia coverage on uh, Friday night with uh, Puya Zambakili as uh, Jordan Kalish prepares another round of Patron Mafia. So, so much going on over at robiswebsite.com slash patron, including our weekly survivor feedback show this week all about survivor caramo and i'll be doing that with obstinensky uh on saturday so that's all at robin's website.com slash patron be on the lookout for the tv theme song uh bracket part two uh with chester and Chappelle. that's going to be coming up on uh, sunday this week have a good one everybody take care bye